Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Got it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi, and um, back after a long absence, it's Jesse Cofino. Hi, Jesse. Hey, Heather. How are you? Good, good. Well, Jesse and I just almost did a whole episode off mic because we jumped right into conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, Jesse, you know, do I... you want to do a little intro for yourself if, in sure. case this is their first time hearing from you? Sure, sure, sure. I'm Jesse Robert Cofino. For gosh, almost the last like, decade, I've been working really closely with an educator in Anji County, China, Miss Chung Shui Chin, to kind of share her redefinition of play and kind of the practices that she and a really committed, um, just hugely talented and insightful and just expert sort of cadre of educators um, and administrators, uh, the practices they've created, learning from her and sharing her work kind of with the broader world educationally in practice. And yeah. a lot of it's focused on, you know, just the last thing I'll say is focused on Adults reflecting together in a safe, really safe space on videos that they have taken of children deeply engaged in play that they have chosen, um, you know, over three or five minutes. So like looking at those videos you've taken. And the question is, like, we always think in Anji or in in the work that we do, Anji play, true play, however you want to categorize it, that like, like, what are reasonable expectations for children? Like, mm-hmm. what what are, and for adults too, for, for educators. And so for us, it's like, well, do you have a three-minute video of children playing? Something that they've been able to choose their, on their own in a safe, free space where you're not guiding or interrupting. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, that's an interesting question. Let's talk about it. Not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just like, oh, well, hey, like I can, I can I've got a 15-minute video of play. And I've got, the, I know this educator over here, like your neighbor, they've got a 10-minute video of play. Like, you know, is that something you're interested in? Do you want to see some of these videos? Like that's, that's where it starts. Uh-huh. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. I'm yeah. so glad that you're doing that work <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and appreciate you being coming back and, and talking to me. So we're going to talk about, um, I think we're going to talk about a lot of things. The starting point mm-hmm. is this article that um, I think you sent me this several months ago and we just did never get anything done with it, but it's from the bank street occasional paper, paper series, which yeah. is an open access journal that I highly recommend. Um, and so, uh, you could even just Google this article title folks to get, to get it, uh, for yourself, but the article is called possibilities and problems in trauma-based and social emotional learning programs written by Tracy Syker, um, and Ann Crampton. Sorry, Tracy, that I, that I, I butchered your name. Um, and so let me just do this, this opening quote. And um, and then I'm going to turn you loose for a minute, Jesse. Uh, but we have to do the quote because that's the yeah that's no the format. I, absolutely. Um, okay, so the very first uh, paragraph or sentence, the first couple sentences of this article, they write social emotional 
and affective experiences are impossible to separate from thinking, doing, and being in the world. Increasingly, schools and community-based organizations are recognizing this truth through the adoption of programs that focus on the emotional lives of children and youth, especially when emotions are fraught and lives have been difficult. Programs such as Social Emotional Learning, SEL Frameworks, and Trauma-Informed Practices, TIP, are not only popular, they are deemed essential in almost every corner of the social services sector. Very broad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, I love it. I to love get it, us though. going. Um, I love it. That's such so, a great quote. Yeah. yeah so what um, what what was your your interest? Well, I don't know. I'm I'm super curious. Like, what struck you about the quote? I mean, oh, in encountering well, that, like as a reader, as somebody who reads a lot of articles yeah. and research and is really familiar with the language around these ideas, yeah, so like what struck you? Yeah, it's re- it's refreshing for me because I have some discomfort around SEL and trauma informed as buzzwords, um, and and as being remedies for problems we see in children and not something that te- adults need to more deeply understand to be able to support yeah. children just because children deserve that support, not because we're trying to have a calmer, more controlled classroom. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting to me here. Um, I we're, we're so good at commodifying things and you and I were kind of talking before about yeah. Yeah. Um, like the idea of developmentally appropriate practice becoming sort of a product that's, that's yeah. being sold and argued about now. Or, or creating space for products. Yes. Like in some yeah. ways, creating space for products that simplify mm-hmm. um, complex or, you know, uncertain things. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like part of my discomfort with with just bandying them about <laughs> those yeah. two phrases, those two mm. new trends is it's a way for us to say us as a field collectively. We're we're um, we're current. We're staying current with with what's going on and what's happening with children but but are we really if we don't if, if we're just yeah. buying a kit that says yeah. do this and you'll have better behaved children and that's social emotional learning yeah um and you know be gentle with them because some of them maybe have trauma well yeah and, so, well, and that's so interesting and that's so, so think, it's yeah. too oversimplified for me yeah and what i think is so interesting is um thing that struck me when i heard you read that paragraph again um is how the author's um, describe describe the subject of their discourse, right? So uh-huh. children, presumably, right? Like so, like in this instance, we're talking about early education. So children are really the the the, the human beings who are uh, the subject of our our thoughts and our actions, right? In a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, and our efforts. And so, she, like how she how they I should I should say um, describe. And I, I mean, I should go back to the quote, but she doesn't say children with trauma, like children who have had traumatic experience, like children with different, like, I don't even, I, like, I don't remember verbatim, um, difficult yes. to me in the second. Uh, when, when emotions are fraught and lives have been difficult. Lives have been difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very respectful way yeah. of describing an experience of somebody else where you can't assume knowledge about the value of the experience of that person and what it means to them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what this larger set of, set of papers and, um, set of writings and research that are that are collected here i i think to me it points to a challenge that we face um which is it is easy to see things in simple terms as binaries right good or bad or right or wrong or desirable or not desirable because i think that this introduction kind of pushes towards the way children human beings are seen as the sum of behaviors that are classed according to a binary, good yeah. or bad. And often those binaries are created according to power structures or like social 
uh, class, race, you know, all those intersectional pieces, like all those conditions that determine the experience that a human being has um, create hierarchies of value and judgment yeah. that are then enforced through binary. And so if as educators, we're approaching children at a time when an authentic relationship, like authentic, unconditional positive regard, I think for us in our work, we talk about love, we think of love as safety. And and big part of safety is like, I'm okay, I'm a good person, I'm okay. The person, the adult around me is showing me that I'm okay. And, is sh- and if I'm already okay, is showing the other people around me who aren't okay, that they're okay. Because if I'm seeing that and I'm totally fine, like everything's, you know, nobody's always totally fine. But for most, you know, some kids, like, oh, you know, pretty, you know, things are pretty good for me, right? But over there, my friend, like things aren't so good for him. And so how that adult is treating them. And so I think that once we get into this space created by like a lack of clarity around love and care as the foundations of responsive practice and really going deep into that mm-hmm. and not having it as a corollary of best practice or as uh, you know, a particular manifestation of a particular culture's view of the way perhaps their own children should be raised, <laughs> but it's maybe like, oh, hey, like listening to ch- like there are the United Nations does have rights of children that are supposed to be universal. So mm-hmm. I think there's been a call in education sometimes to de-universalize, to avoid not big truths, but but simple questions with complicated answers. Mm-hmm. Right. So like I like I was saying, like, what does it mean to have a child play for 10 minutes without interrupting them to for a child to face conflict or to have a big feeling and to not be put into a framework sold by a company that um, works with NACI to deliver social emotional learning that has X number of, you know, online uh, things where you get a certificate and, you know, yeah. people are making money. Right. And right. so I'm not saying that any of those people have ill intention or that the system is designed or there's a conspiracy here. It's just that um, that's the, that's the kind of the way the world works in some mm-hmm. sense. And I think that the reason I brought this to your attention is I think we see that as kind of a common sense thing, right? If you yeah. go into a space and you see a child who's, you know, a margin or like, is it a part of a marginal population or is just different in some ways being treated differently in their play, right? Whether they're seen as being on the spectrum, whether they have a particular diagnosis, whether they are of a particular race or class or gender, mm-hmm. their play being seen as too problematic or whatever is, is going to hue us back to these binaries of like SEL yeah. where it's like, oh, are you sharing, right? Are you sharing? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, but seriously, if I, I know we laugh because it's a big yeah. bugbear for a lot of us right. because we hear it a lot and it's hard to push past it, but it's even hard to push past it within ourselves, with our own children, that that urge. And I think that it's a right urge to want your child to share. But then the question is, is how is that modeled in the environment? How, how am I, as an adult, am I sharing? How as an adult, am I respecting other people or listening? And so I think yeah. for us in our work, like because listening is so important and because so much of a lot of what we see packaged as social emotional learning is about an adult talking yeah. and intervening that we saw this happening. And I was like, Oh, wow. Like here's some people that are actually doing the work who like have real like explanations for what we're seeing in practice. And so that's why I brought it to your attention. Cause I'm, I, you know, we write a lot, we think a lot, we, I read some, but like, I think, of, I don't want to say I think of myself, but like, I just spent a lot of time watching videos with early educators and taking videos of children playing mm-hmm. and like getting materials places and setting up environments and like, sharing with people what kind of safe open-ended environments allow for children to have long uninterrupted experiences of pursuing their own intentions Mm -hmm. in like a joyful way with each other and so much of that comes down to where the adult is like where the where the adult is in that space where the adult is with the other adults in their space what are on the same page about 
And so much of it comes back to embracing uncertainty. Yeah. Like we don't know what a child is capable of. We don't know what this adult is capable of. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen if we don't intervene right now. Yeah. Like we don't know what happened if we show this child love instead of trying to change them, right? Or trying to cue them back to this product that a vague sense of whatever you should be doing with children which is probably shies away from saying love is important. Yes. Yeah. I, I think, think people feel uncomfortable when they hear the word love. I've, I've, I've gotten pushback. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's because language is subjective because there is like that. And, and people are, it's, it's scary to admit that because the, the challenge, and this is the last rabbit hole going on. I'll, I'll, I would like to listen some more <laughs> um, because I like, I talk so much about listening, right? Like yeah. that's the greatest irony of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but, but, you know, I think that the challenge of kind of, post i really just want to say and i know this is getting to the weeds a little bit philosophically but like post-war philosophy is like a degree of contingency and truth right and it's true that's true like what you mean by love what i mean by love what you mean by whatever like we're all creating different we have we all have different truths based on how we define words that we share particular common feelings around yeah. and that is true. So the DAP is right. Like everybody has different cultural values. Like all these things do mean different things to different people. What I say is good is not going to be what's good to somebody else. Um, and so that's the challenge, right? That that we live in that space. There is a lot of uncertainty. What's great about the work we do is we say to a certain degree, uncertainty is like exactly what you want around certain things. Safety. No, like you, you can't have uncertainty around safety. Right. And so it's like, if you really spend a lot of time as a group interrogating what you mean by safety, like defining your own subjective definition, like what is our group, like how clear and precise, but shared kind of definition of a word be amongst a group of practitioners or people, then it's like, you can kind of test like what the potential outcomes are, that set of conditions that you put into place based on your understanding of that idea. So if, if for us, like safety means listening, right? Listening to children in their own voice, giving them space and time, creating routines that are responsive to their needs. So if, like, you know, I'll go into a program and they'll have 45 minutes for play, but then it's like the two minute, five minute timer for end of play. And then at the five minute, then it's a rush to get things put away. And I think for, for us, you know, if we're saying, if we're talking about our view of safety. So for me, that's not a safe place for a child to play in some sense. It's not that it's dangerous, but it's like, it's not necessarily safe. It's, it's, they don't have this, the child doesn't have the space to truly pursue their intentions to right. a point where they could be at like the highest level of their ability, but also kind of pushing their safe, like their mm -hmm. self-judgment around safety to the, to the greatest degree. And so what I mean is that like, in ANGI or in other programs we work with that are more demonstration program, it would be like, well, there isn't any timer, but like there'll be some other cue when cleanup starts. There isn't like five minutes. Nobody's counting down or a sense of urgency, but children generally know when play ends because there's a transition to lunch or something, mm -hmm. right? And adults, educators, teachers, whatever word you want to use to describe the adults that are creating these conditions and maintaining them for children, you know, they're taking videos of the play. They generally know the arc and like the kind of where each group of children is. So you got like, let's say you've got 24 children. Let's say it's uh -huh. two people and 30 children. Let's say we're in that kind of ratio. Because <laughs> I want to get real here. And yep. I know there's licensing stuff. I know right. there's stuff around licensing, you know, particularly in Head Start, early Head Start space, um, ratios, uh, supervision, like at the county and state level as well. But really, like if you've got a group of 30 children and you've got two teachers and one assistant who's not a teacher, but is responsible, has other responsibilities. And you've got like a group of 
10 and 10 or two groups of five and 10. You've got 20 taken care of there. They're generally in the same space. They're generally done. You got a little group over here that you know loves to go off into the forest and they're okay. And they're maybe 30 feet away and you can kind of see them out of your eye, right? Mm -hmm. And then play ends. And because you can tell that a lot of people are tired, but oh, there's this group of five that we know takes 20 minutes to clean up because they've still got a lot of energy because it's this group of boys. And like before lunch, they still got to get that like pushing, shoving, throwing, knocking into each other, running around out, right? Mm -hmm. And we see this group of this two groups of this group of girls of two like they're like really investigating these leaves and we know they've got like 10 15 minutes left right because that's just how they are that you play that bell or whatever to put your stuff away and everybody knows they're responsible because that's an expectation that's built into the environment because that's a sense of safety too right i'm coming back to safety like knowing where things go is a sense of safety mm -hmm. knowing that you have that time to play safety the music comes on for cleanup the 20 kids or the 18 kids that are ready to go want to eat lunch, they're going to get all their stuff. I was going to say a bad word, all their stuff like onto their, onto the racks and to the door and in line, like in their boots and changed mm -hmm. like the five, like the three boys and two girls that just love to rub house are going to be pushing each other, but they know, they know it's time to transition. Yeah. They love the teacher. They love the other kids. Like they don't have any actual issue going on here. There's no pushback. There's no noise of like, my teacher's urgent and is angry at me because I can't do this like the other children that have been told over and over again how to do this. Mm -hmm. And oh, he's got trauma because he's got something at home. And like, now yeah. we got to have the other teacher come in and like, and it's real, right? Like, yeah, like it's real because those behaviors come from those difficult experiences mm -hmm. that people have that, that these that these papers talk about. And so like when you when you can do that, then like, you know, they push the stuff around, they get it in. And then, you know, maybe the assistant or maybe the assistant goes in with the teacher and then the one lead teacher stays out with those those two girls because what they're doing is really interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's, gonna, it's, been, it's been happening for a few days and they've been drawing pictures of and they've been talking about and they know that these two girls often lead the other group towards like particular areas in conversation. And so there's a respect and a respect for that intentionality is also safety. So like for us, like, okay, that's a group of people interrogating their idea of love and safety as a word and saying, okay, well, that includes you know, 30 minutes past lunch, somebody making space in their schedule and coordinating with their colleague because the system is built to incentivize that mm -hmm. because they're not pushing back against a system where you don't have coverage, where, um, you know, your staffing is changing, where you're not on the same page with your co-teacher, yeah. where you don't have a safe environment necessarily, or it's not one that's well attended to, or you don't have as an educator agency to change. Right. And so where is where are those points of agency to allow something different, to make something different? That's on that's on one end, right? So that's on like the, the biggest, like like when you think it was like, what's the challenge, right? And then there's like the oh well, we have all these resources, but then we need to buy this curriculum because we don't know how to handle these three or four children that we've yeah. made allowances to be in our nice special program <laughs> to mix with all the nice special children. And like they're showing up and they're not meeting our binary of like class-based and race-based expectations yeah and so you can talk about anti-bias you can put as many books about as many civil rights figures or written by as many anti-racist people want into your classroom but you're fundamentally viewing children differently around their behaviors not when you're not giving every child unconditional positive regard as love as safety right then it's like those videos of play are often going to show conflict yeah, that and idea of conflict, interpersonal conflict between children. Yeah, um, yeah, that idea of unconditional positive regard is so, um, I mean, just that language is very useful, I think, because it is sort of taboo to talk about love in yeah, sure. in early childhood work. Sure. Uh, Jules Page does a lot of work about professional yeah. love and Carol Garbard and Murray wrote an article and has done some other work on on sort of claiming that 
the right to use that word again. But for whatever reason, you know, we, I think, but, but thinking about unconditional positive regard, uh, yeah, I think but I take think, some but of I, that murkiness I it, out. I use it to connect so that you can understand yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I really want us to interrogate language and yeah. be careful around associating with other, because the unconditional positive regard as a, like a tradition has a very specific meaning that I don't, I'm not fluent in. So uh-huh. I wouldn't want to misrepresent a knowledge of, or like an implementation of a particular school of philosophical or psychological sure. thought, because it is an idea. Like there is this idea of unconditional positive regard. And generally I think it's treating everybody as like in the moment as having value. And yeah. like, like, like I'm not here to change you or make you different. Like you don't fall on a binary of good or bad or desirable, or undesirable behaviors, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your behavior is, is for every reason. And my response is whatever my response is. And as a, if you're a therapist or a psychologist, you know, that like, you know, I'm responsible for my own feelings mm-hmm. and like whatever feelings you're having is whatever feeling you're having and like whatever led to you having that feeling like what can i do i can yeah. try to change you you're, you're probably not in a place to listen you're probably not in a place to trust me to um do what i want or say and why do i want you to do what i want to say anyways right like why do i want mm-hmm. control over you so if you step back from trying to control and this comes back to desirable or undesirable i mean that comes yeah. to compliance i think the third paragraph of that intro they're talking about compliance and control right so i think if you go deeper into their work to go deeper into other papers they've written, there's also this idea of kind of a, of a literacy of resistance. And they work with a lot of uh, people, you know, um, children, human beings that have, that have have very difficult experiences, right? Um, you know, uh, domestic violence, you know, all, all sorts of really, really tough things in their lives. But they've also had things that have, those are also, those are experiences that have made them people. Those are part of their history. They share those histories with other people that all have value as people. And the system tells them they don't have value. That all those experiences are bad. Like, like let's give a number to those and like, let's ha- let's can we subtract that number somehow by replacing it with something desirable. And yeah. so what happens is human beings develop languages and ways of communicating through behavior. And so, you know, a lot of their work is more with teenagers, right? Not with early childhood as mm-hmm. we're thinking about it, but I think their work with teenagers is very relevant to work with early childhood because how people are and like are in the world how they respond to people you know is set pretty early but we i think that insofar as we ask early educators to reflect to how needs responsive we are you know a high school teacher a middle school teacher if they really believe that these children have had these difficult experiences like where's the need responsiveness in their curriculum where's the needs responsiveness in their system and it's there isn't because it's like a you know it's an authoritarian like it's a it's a you know schooling is you know geared towards even even in its most sort of like progressive Dewey-esque or whatever, it's about an outcome of creating, it's about, a, it's, it's about creating, an, it's about creating a ter- certain desirable human being um, uh-huh. that, pr- that contributes in a certain way right. or it, or doesn't take away from society in a certain way or gives back right. or is self-sufficient in some way like Montessori or is like, you know, I guess ascends to some level of existence through Waldo, <laughs> you know, however, however it's defined by whatever theorist, you know, Montessori yeah. was deeply Catholic. So she has her own vision of what value is, mm-hmm. should be assigned. She has a whole Catholic curriculum, you know, that her tradition is very specific around those things. I haven't, mm-hmm. I'm not clear about it, but her her binaries are probably pretty clear, right? Yeah. What's desire, like what's a desirable learning outcome? What is it? I mean, her, her materials specifically say, this is the desirable learning outcome. Yeah. And so I think that, yeah, I mean, I think if you go deeper and deeper into that, you see how that 
begins early. So like our false belief in certainty and objectivity, when children know everything is objective and so they ask the toughest questions, but children also know they rely on us for survival. And um, the people that allow them to survive are the ones whose behaviors they're going to take up or respond to and bring to other people. And so the question is, we're the other, we are the other people they bring those things to. Mm -hmm. Like we're the other people that children bring those things to as educators, right. as, as, as parents or as surrogates or as, you know, or you, however we provide care and love and responsive However, we respond to the needs of children as human beings in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. We are we are approaching whatever that child has encountered. Yeah. Whatever they've and encountered to to and to survive, right? And even in, like again, in the best of circumstances, like it's still like, you know, even if a child's all their needs are met, like it's like, what how far can I go before like I actually am threatened with violence or like with everything being taken away? Mm -hmm. Like, how far can I get what I want? Like, where does my will end? And like somebody, like, where's my safety? Right. Um where where does my will end and somebody else's will begin? So yeah. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it is a lot. I want to edit this and like <laughs> people are just gonna be like, whoa, like <laughs> no, I'll, I'll um, give this guy a call because uh, you know the phone bill will be pretty big. Um, phones don't work like that anymore, Jesse. I suppose. I suppose. Well, you know, <laughs> global play. That's you know? true. That's true. Um, so I mean, I yeah, you really you had my mind going all different directions while you were going through all that, but it, I think what I'm pulling mostly from what you're just sharing or what you kind of just worked through is relationship. I mean, I don't want to oversimplify no, no. all of that. No, but, no, absolutely. No, a hundred percent. But like, when really, we no. say, yes. when we say I am, you know, certified in social emotional learning, or I've got this social emotional learning curriculum, or I'm uh, you know, this is a trauma informed classroom or program. It really puts it out. I guess it sort of puts it outside of the adult. Like, I don't have to change anything about myself. I don't have to reflect as much and not intentionally again, like it doesn't give those yeah, teachers yeah. an invitation to, to say, where is my relationship with this right now? How comfortable do I feel even thinking about relationship? Um, how comfortable do I feel acknowledging that I might have to um, change my ways of thinking? Um, and it's not just, I need a yeah. system that will change children's behavior um, because, because, uh, I, I don't, I don't know when uh, that sort of takes it out of our hands. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think about a, a couple things that are sort of came from different contexts, but, um, you know, one, like, for example, we had a little boy in one of the preschools I worked in, um, uh, where we had student assistants and, uh, we, you know, we, re we referred mom to have a, an autism, uh, uh, what am screening I talking about? Sort of screening. Like yes. Screening, God, the word yeah. was failing me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and we were sure, you know, yeah. and, and it came back and the diagnosis was that he didn't, um, he wasn't autistic and the students were like, well, what do we do now? It's like, you meet yeah. the need. It doesn't matter what the label yeah, is if you see absolutely. the need. So, you know, it's not, we don't wait around until we have a kid that we know is a trauma kid. No, no, of course. These of are course. things we can put well, into place every day with all of our children that we're working with. And then when those, those children who do have those difficult um, experiences yeah. are with us, it's just yeah. already something we do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that for any child, 
who's entering a new environment, right? Mm -hmm. A new group environment, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if, if you have an established classroom, right? Or you have an established classroom culture, you have established school culture, you know, because I, you know, I'm speaking broadly, but everybody's context is very different, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you have an established culture and a child is entering that, like, what are they entering? Yeah. Like what, what does that environment say to them? And so like, regardless of how difficult the child's experience is, and I don't want to say regardless, because there are experiences where children's needs, like where the needs that they're expressing, like the way that they're expressing their needs um, is not safe for themselves yeah. or for other people. Right? Sure. So I, I don't want to come across as minimizing no, 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 trauma. No, 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 no. And, and this is not response to what you're saying. Yeah. I'm just clarifying. Yeah. Like I'm thinking, I'm thinking very carefully about my words. What I'm saying yeah. is like, you know, I want to be clear, but I also, we have these experiences that I do want to share. Mm -hmm. um, that when you enter an environment like that, that's going to, because things are not monocausistic, one thing doesn't cause another, like, because things are not simple and binary, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the evolving set of conditions that form the environment that a child enters with whatever experience they bring to it, what does it absorb? Like what, like, what is its capacity to absorb the way that child communicates their needs? And what are those needs? And so what we find is that if you have a program, you have an environment where like, like I described, really follows the pace of the child, really mm -hmm. listens to the child's voice, really is about adults deeply, 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 deeply coming together to as a community to define through practice what it means to listen to the child's words without trying to change them, without trying to influence them, and without trying to draw them to any conclusion. And that's like, that's very provocative. Like uh -huh. what I'm telling you is very provocative. That's why Nacy had to put a, a disclaimer over our article is because we're saying like, don't, don't try to get children to learn something really specific or like don't try them to get them to draw some conclusion from their play. Uh -huh. Let them talk about it. Listen to them when they're playing. Listen to them afterwards. And while you're doing it, hold your tongue. And like your first order of business, your first line of accountability is not talking. Or when you need to talk, talking in a way that's responsive to a child's needs and shows your deep curiosity without an agenda. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got, I was just at a program, what, two days ago, I drove up to Sacramento. I took 30 minutes of video. It's the first time I've been in that program. Lovely program. I mean, I knew the, the site supervisor from, we'd worked at a different program together yeah. within the same agency. Lovely program. You know, I took 20, 30 minutes of video of like 16, you know, three and four and, you know, five-year-olds, right? And like, yeah. I never met them before, but like, they were totally down because like, I came into that space interest like a they had an environment where they had time and space and open-ended materials and like a team of educators that had really good relationships with each other wow and that like in educational settings like whatever's going on between the adults is going to go on between the children that's a, that's and if right. it's bad between adults it's going to be bad between the children and like if you're going to fight with the children like solve your fight with the adult because like <laughs> that's going to solve the fight with the child right. like honestly like like to yeah. be like very crass like if there's a there's a there's a simple truth in that mm -hmm. that like the dynamic between a group of adults is really going to impact the, the so they, they come in that space but so for me you know holding myself to that listening standard that simple definition that i just brought up yeah. like i go in that space i don't say what is your name or like oh my name like blah, 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 blah. Or what are you doing over here? Or show me this or show me that. Or can you tell me this or tell not only that, or like watch for 10 seconds, and then try to bring them to me. I just give them space and I watch, or if they're mm -hmm. down at a particular level, I'm because I'm, because I am genuinely, and I'm, it's not because I'm faking it. Like I'm genuinely right. interested in what they're doing in their play. And I know that if I try to interrupt, they're going to see that my agenda is important. Yeah. And even like, honestly, like usually within like 20 seconds of being present and listening and not saying something, they'll make eye contact with you and tell you whether or not they want you in their space. Yep. And if they don't, you get out of there because like, yeah. Hey, they're a person like, 
<laughs> like I know how to communicate non-verbally to you. Like you do, you're an educator. Like yeah. the child is telling me he doesn't want me around. Like I'm not going to be around, stick around. Like unless I need to be there for safety or super, you know. Right. Uh, like again, of course, like this is all like I'm being so simplistic, but children communicate and usually they don't want to share what they're doing in play. And the, and the, the, the more you listen, the more they share. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, you've already established a relationship of constantly correcting or providing or directing or interjecting, then there is a struggle because that's the expectation of what you've defined as like the authentic relationship. And so you kind of have to pull out of that, but children pull out of those kinds of things really quickly because they adapt because children's brains are so adaptable. And because for survival, they have to kind of go with the, they have to go with the flow to the extent that they have to. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of children, they don't have to go with the flow to a very good extent and they can still survive. <laughs> and like, that's like my children or no, I shouldn't say yeah. my children are amazing, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, you know, like that's where like boundaries can be a little more ill-defined because if yeah. a, child, a child is generally hewing within the norms of behavior, then there's a lot more leeway around other things. But if a child is not hewing to norms of behavior, then we need to give them no leeway. And so it's like mm-hmm. this double, double whammy, right? It's like, A, like your behavior is a little different because of whatever experience you've had. And so not only am I going to not not only would I like focus on correcting in this one thing, but I'm going to cut off all these other things that I'm already giving other children unconsciously because my boundaries are weak with them because they're the good kid. Yeah. Like, oh, they can play with the scissors because I already know they're good. Or like, oh, you know, they accidentally took the last marshmallow, but don't worry about like, you know, like the fairness, like the equity picture changes when yeah. your behavior is not desirable. And, and so a lot of these products that are sold and bought and the current buzzwords that again, I, not about good or bad around people's intentions, I think get us away from those really, like you said, the simple word, really authentic relationships mm-hmm. of just like, oh, like, and I think something you bring up like love and this idea of language, subjectivity. And the reason I keep on bringing up this word subjectivity um, is to say like love as being a challenging concept. When I went to Anji, I remember hearing Ms. Chung say like, one of the first things is like, oh, we love the children like we're their mothers. And I thought, oh, that's so deprofessionalizing, right? Like, yeah. oh, we're not just mothers, whatever. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like what, like, what am I hearing? What am I actually hearing these people? Like, what am I hearing them say? Right. And what I'm hearing them say is like, not the, the, the basically this child can do no wrong. And like, really, that's like the love of mother. Like, you know, yeah. like, you know, like the face only a mother could love. Like, you know, those, <laughs> those old tropes, like those axiomatic ideas of like, you know, like, like there's an unconditional positive regard in the parental relationship. Not, not the complicated ways we think of motherhood, you know, through our social, like cultural lens, but like, just like, just like, I love like your safety. Your yeah. safety is the first thing that's important to me. And then beyond that, like nothing you can do is can be really so wrong that I will take away that safety. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, wait, like I can't shy away from talking about like the ideas of, 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 of like paternal love as models for educators. And I thought, you know, the other thing I heard was like, I heard a, you know, a well-regarded expert and theorist, you know, Chinese educator. And I speak and read and write Chinese and I've interpreted for her. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, I have incredible respect for her. She's been very closely worked closely with Miss Chung and she was talking to a group of teachers and they were talking about like how cute the children were like oh my god like this video like the cuteness and I was like wait a minute like oh isn't that deprofessional right but what I realized is like no like 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 if that isn't in right like if a child's cuteness can motivate a parent or can motivate an administrator Mm -hmm. and can motivate or can motivate another like if it can some way motivate somebody to listen or to provide time and space or to value to show love or value to yeah. the child then like oh like that's okay like why shy away from the word cute as long as we're not like doing weird things with it yeah like, as long as long as we're not like like you know what i mean and that's very that's very ju- judgy right yeah it's very um but but you know what i mean right like as long that's as it's not some 
you know, it's not as long as it's some fetishized cuteness. Right. That's what I was that, just going to say, I think because I typically don't like yeah. that word. But well, if it's a that, point of connection for yes, us or a point of, of curiosity. Or if it's just like being honest about something. Yeah. If it's just being honest about sure. something. Like, on, like, honestly, that child is cute. Like, what that child doing right now is cute. And I got a <laughs> picture of a cute kid doing something amazing. Not only are they cute, but they just like solve this incredible, difficult problem that I've yeah. been seeing them develop. Like, okay, that's fine. Like, lean into that. Like, that's yeah. okay. Like, why, why, you know, but, but you have to be, that, that cuteness has to be in the context of like, I understand what children are doing in play because I am the creator of the conditions for learning through <laughs> an arrangement and environment that provides minimally structured open-ended materials. And I am, you know, engaged in a reflective practice where I create safety for my colleagues to challenge their assumptions about children by watching videos of play that we've taken through a process of like re-understanding what play means to us and what it means to have routines and you know transitions that you know respond to where child where every child is and give us time and space to respond to each child's relational needs as they arise in the environment and so yeah. like you know then you can talk about cuteness but if you can't do all that stuff that i said before then we can still talk about cuteness but i'm going to want to talk about other stuff too while yeah. we talk about cuteness and yeah. i'm going to watch a video with you and like while we're watching video you're going to hear your colleagues that are not like that are not just starting in this field or not like just new kids you're going to hear them talk in basic language basic but powerful language about the learning that's going on mm -hmm. then your cuteness is okay too then talk about how cute they are when we're all together because you're safe to say whatever you want there's no yeah. judgment on you for liking kids because they're cute and wanting to be an awesome educator uh -huh. and showing up and listening to us and participating with us and challenging yourself by taking some videos and not talking when kids are playing by being part of our community and not you know telling a child to post with a camera but you know when you're at school maybe not only with your cousin your cute cousins at home right open in presence or whatever but when you're at school you know keep your mouth shut i mean i hate to say it that way <laughs> that's your professional commitment yeah but, you know maybe you're the one who is a little more loving or like a little more emotive around your around your support because what i'm not describing is any kind of like I think how the way a lot of people think about Montessori, actually, this cold, detached yeah. sort of like um, removal clinical. through observation, through like the clinical distance mm -hmm. of like the one-way mirror in the lab school where everybody's taking their running records of whatever, mm -hmm. right? Where they're making all these assumptions on paper because like they're in the moment and they're having all yeah. these feelings about themselves and whatever, right? Yeah. So it's not that because in any school, the teacher puts their arms around children when things are tough. The teacher said, that's amazing. The teacher puts out a hand and helps a child if they're, if they need it, yeah. but they're thinking before they do that. Oh, do I need to put out my hand right now? Oh, like, like, oh, can they just move on without me? And if they can't, because I know that child, oh, I'll be there. I'm going to give you a hug. Like, I'm going to say, Hey buddy, like that was tough. I'm like, Oh my God, it's amazing. You jumped off that way. Can you do it again? Oh, I know I'm not supposed to tell them to do it again. That's okay. Like there isn't a blame. There's no blame for expressions of interest, curiosity, love, support, coming from an educator in that space it's just like oh well, like hey we're all like taking videos oh you're doing that too that's great and so like maybe may, like like there is a, just a recalibration in some sense yeah um sorry i, I know we're going in yeah that's what, that's what we do <laughs> that is not not a problem at all i was just trying to like i'm making notes and then and for me i know this is a podcast you know i i love to start meetings like any meeting like looking at a recent video that i have taken or somebody's taken a play yeah. and just like spending 10 minutes like even before like i'll just like any meeting i'll just be like you know what like I, I just took this video can we watch for five minutes and usually people are pretty accommodating i love that and what's nice is it establishes the conversation around children as human beings that are capable um that have joy that can impact us effective experiences so they're uh -huh. talking in that introduction about effective experiences yeah 
one of the big amazing things about video is it forces us to confront the lack of objective truth by showing that like yeah I, I i'll take a video i'll show it somebody will say they saw something that i didn't see yeah i realize it's there then we watch it again it's actually not there and then we see something else and so it's <laughs> like you can chase these objective assessments we're making as people that are not emotionally engaged because we've got distance that are not in the moment taking a running record or like deciding how i'm going to scaffold some child's learning or right. their social emotional needs or protect them in some way that when we come back to video it's like you know rashomon or whatever you know whatever you know buddhist sort of view of like kind of the the like inability to establish any truth beyond like the, the suffering of existence um know. you know or whatever um and i think that video and i'll give you one very specific example yeah. Um, and the way we designed our video reflection protocol is to really ch challenge everybody to set, like, to put their assumptions out on the table and set them aside. So for instance, when you share a video, when somebody's sharing a video, you don't say anything about what's happening in that video. You don't say who the children, like you saw names and ages and whoever, who took the video, uh -huh. right? But not like, oh, this child has X has had X experience or has this is our Y diagnosis, <laughs> or even like they were they had this they had this relationship dynamic with this other child in the yeah. video. No preface, no behavioral preface, no background stories. Watch it, watch it once, and we all note our deepest impressions. And so that could be like, wow, that is a cute Peppa Pig shirt. Like that, I couldn't like, am I am I my you know, and my daughter totally has one, and like <laughs> like I just like if I don't get it out now, like it's gonna be in the back of my mind. I just yeah. need to get it on the table or like that may be really uncomfortable. Like, I can't believe like that was, you know, there is a ground rule though, which is that when you're sharing it as an educator, it's like the educator is sharing the video. You do not, as a member of the group, provide any feedback on the educator's practice. And this is really oh, important. Because okay. when you're taking a video of play, you're not only seeing the child in play, you're seeing the environment they're in. Mm -hmm. You're seeing that dynamic between the children, which again is a reflection of dynamics between adults. You're seeing how the adults are responding, what they're saying, what angle they're taking, you're seeing if their environment is neat. You're seeing like whatever. You're seeing all that stuff. And so for somebody to feel safe in my, in our view, to, pro to provide safety for somebody, to provide the safety that where we think that people, to provide what we think people should expect as safety to share an image of their practice and their space and their children and the play that's going on, then there should be, an, there should be a kind of an expectation that nobody else provides feedback on practice. However, at the end of a reflection, the person that shared the video can ask for specific feedback. So uh, they can say like, Oh, you know, like I really felt like I was talking way too much. Like, but this has been, because what we found is that if you go in trying to provide feedback at the end, you, we always have a closing reflection for the person that shared it. You'll hear somebody say like, Oh my God, like this was an, a, a huge insight for me. Like I never knew that I could talk so little and discover so much. Mm -hmm. And if as experts were thinking like, oh, you talk so much. Like if we had come in early and said like, oh, have you thought about like why you're talking so much? They're like, oh, does anybody else here see why, you know, so-and-so maybe should have held their breath? <laughs> you you miss that. And, and I see it happen. And it's like, this isn't hypothetical. I see uh -huh. it happening again and again. And so it's like part of that safety is allowing people giving people the time and space to share what is actually meaningful to them. Mm -hmm. And by challenging assumptions by a group of educators coming together and like really seeing how amazing that person's children are um, in ways that they haven't been able to see before, um, it get you get to a place of that discovery. And so it, and it's not a discovery where there's some guru leading that person there. It's like their own voice. It's their own video. It's their own sharing. It's not about, it's not about anybody else getting them there. It's about them themselves knowing their children, in a group of people that provide that safe space. And, mm -hmm. and so I think that 
that has been the one of the biggest challenges Mrs. Chung has faced. Um, and I think one of the biggest challenges we face, and I bring this up because I shared research literature with you and we're talking about, you know, or not research yeah. literature, it's a white, you know, it's like yeah. a, an occasional series, you know, yeah. it's not whatever evidence basis means, you know, whatever our, yeah. you know, our Western epistemological yes. views of science, <laughs> science, science and, and historicity, you know, historicity yeah. in fact, right, you know, yeah. um, that there are a lot of gatekeepers. There's a lot yes. of people that make it very difficult for people to lay claim to any authentic personal truth mm-hmm. in any meaningful way. And we we make that difficult for adults. We also make that difficult for children in their earliest years. And they are discovering deep and profound truths about themselves and each other. And if the truth that they discover is that there is a model of being where you provide unconditional positive regard and love for somebody, then when they encounter those truths and when they encounter those difficult truths or whatever truths they want to define, because like, mm-hmm. again, a subjectivity, like they can confront that uncertainty with safety and they can make whatever experience they've had be part of them providing maybe somebody else with that safety yeah. later on or in the, in the instant that it's happening to them. And yes. so I guess maybe that's where I would end and just say like my deep concern around whether it's social emotional learning is the quantification of people's experiences yeah. and the use of that to assign them categories that fall along binaries of desirability and undesirability that are enforced by people that are supposed to be providing love and care and um, just being there for them. Yeah. Right. And that, and that, you know, my, I've been focused, I've been kind of shifting more to like older children, like eight to 40 as, as kind of my more like my sort of you know, eight the, to forty. Is that what you yeah, said? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's you know, yeah. I think so. Older I children, eight to forty. Older, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, really. Okay. I think that's kind of the that's kind yeah. Of, yeah, and like how many of those children now, like, or, or you know, people that are 14, 18, and I don't want to talk. I don't want to make assumptions about other people's experiences, but what I've yeah. been hearing and seeing a lot is there's been a lot of like replacement of the gratification of that safety of a loving presence who's modeling what it's like to be a human being that provides love to other people mm-hmm. with like the gratification of base sort of like base desire right like children accessing really not good stuff online starting yeah. at 9 10 11 and that forming their reality and their view of valuation and creating a, a view of just like life and interactions that is devoid of that i don't say devoid of human connection because they are connecting with other people but around these systems of valuation and kind of alienation and so i think that there is a point of intervention which acknowledges those people with unconditional like all those everybody because you do like it's like oh yeah like like there is no va- there is no true value because like because there is no truth right because yeah. as you know the as the developmentally appropriate practice tells you we live in a postmodern <laughs> world where everything is contingent and as Habermas tells you is a nihilistic kind of like hellscape of nothing really means anything yeah that's okay that's great and like but you and you can and, and you can gratify yourself by watching really awful stuff or playing awful games or you can gratify yourself by doing something else. Yeah. And like, and like in gratifying yourself doing something else, you don't have to change your worldview. You don't have to change your philosophy. You don't have to believe in any other system. It's just like, oh, here's a different way of grat- like gratifying. And like, if you can gratify yourself by showing people unconditional positive regard, like that usually makes your own life better and other people's right. lives better. But you have to show people a model of doing that in their own space, in their own value system, in a way that's appealing to them. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's where a lot of my thoughts are been recently. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. I know. I'm, I'm a lot. I, I think I'm this sorry. is going to be one where people are going to be like, I took what so many heck? notes. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was so great. Thank you um, for all of that, really. You know, you um, see children, you see like younger, like 
I know guns and violence have yeah. always been a problem. Yeah. It's violence, you know, the systems. And again, a lot of this is just like those binary systems evaluation of yeah. desire. Like it is desirable to have X product. It is desirable to have X experience. It is desirable to look X way. It mm -hmm. is desirable to have X life outcome, right? right? And that's like where Dewey comes in because Dewey is the one who kind of have told these kids now in the 21st century, like desirability is having you know, a, a, a two cars and a wife and kids and a picket fence. Cause that's progress. That's yeah. Midwestern progress. Right. And right. that's like the, you know, that's, that's, you know, a citizenship, which, you know, okay. Now it's housed in Brookings or Lego or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like economy 4.7 or whatever. And it's like, Oh, we're all productive, not workers. Cause we have a fixed, we have a guaranteed income and capitalism is bad, but it's okay. And like, you know, the environment is about to die, but if we just have more lithium ion batteries at all, like whatever, whatever they're selling, right? Yes. It's like, it's, it's, it comes back to that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you don't even Should know we talk about that you know? up? Except <laughs> yeah. thank you. I'm so, I, you know, I, I don't apologize. I like, thank you. you thank you for listening to me. Yeah. Um, no problem. Thank you. Um, uh, but we are at about an hour, real. so you yeah, we can we can yeah we can to... shift years or yeah. can edit cut here. Yeah, no, cut I year. never edit, Jesse. Never had a good. I'm, I'm all yeah, single take. <laughs> that's that's too much work for in, me. In yep. Cinematography. Yep. Um. So thanks for being on. Um. Yeah. And, and and when do I get your book? Are you working on a book? I know. I yeah, asked yeah, you every yeah, time yeah. I, I mean, you. and I mean, I gosh, I should say, you know, um, I'm we're we're doing the I'm doing the solo, but like, uh, Christina, uh, is um you know, she was on maternal. She has a, a, a tile, which is amazing. I don't know if I'm supposed to share that publicly. I know she shared yeah. it with her friends, but it's amazing. And so yeah. she, and the reason I'm among the many reasons to bring Christina up is that she was also very well-versed in this, um, in this paper, in this yeah. series of papers that I shared and has gone really yeah. deep in it. So I do encourage, you know, anyone who's listening, um, who's not scared away by, you know, the, I guess the path, people always say like, you're so passionate, yeah. the passion I show for these ideas, yeah. right. Um, that it is really worth a read because I think it yeah. challenges us to ask questions about things that we accept, that we associate with the buzzword that we accept as practices that we should bring into our lives with children. Right. And I think it's good to challenge, I think it's good to challenge our assumptions Absolutely. and like question what we're doing sometimes. Yeah. And if too. it's questioning it in the direction of like more love, more responsiveness, more care, more safety, more listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thumbs up. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. I'm, I'm excited for, um, uh, for Christina in general. Right. Yeah, I gosh, think that's such yeah. great news. Um, yeah. but also I, I will be excited to have her come back on the show again yeah, yeah, yeah. when she's ready yeah. to do and that. And Emma too. Yeah. 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 When, when oh yeah. Because Emma, that's our lady, you know, and Emma Pickering, who's in Budapest yeah. and, um, it's just such a, yeah. I mean, she, you know, she's a mom too, but she's like a sterling educator. Just like yeah, amazing. She was on she's with so, us once. Didn't yeah, we yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she has so like she has so much to share. Like, yeah. Uh, shout out to Emma. Yeah. Co-authors yeah. and we'll book. get them all. I, I think I think we promised we promised it to Rutledge in May. So that's when. Awesome! Like, I love. It was originally promised oh in, in December, but I've been having my midlife period of reflection. Oh, how <laughs> nice for you! <laughs> all right. Well, that Alrighty. explains your yeah. philosophical conversation. No, today. no, I know, I know, but that's yeah. always going on in my head. I just decided yeah. at forty to start sharing with other people. Yeah, so awesome. The unfortunate. Well, I'm excited. Right. I, I am, um, and <laughs> I love everything Rutledge publishes. So this is a yeah. good sign. If that's oh, well, yeah, that's from. not unfortunate audience for that. I just meant for my midlife reflections. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely the fortunate audience for an amazing book that's going to be out soon. Okay. All right. We well, we better wrap if I get my Together. Yeah. Right. yeah thank you heather it's, yeah, the, it's the hour thanks everybody for listening to another episode we'll see you next week and that's the show now go get your nerd on this has been an explorations early learning upstairs studio production